As we prepare to hear our scripture readings this morning, um, to, we're going to hear two today. The first is from the narrative lectionary from the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a very active prophet for around 50 years, from about 627 BCE till about 580 BCE, in Jerusalem in a time of lots of uh, political upheaval. Most importantly, Jeremiah was a prophet during the time of the Babylonian invasion and eventually exile. And so most of the book of Jeremiah is actually oracles of judgment against the leaders of Judah in Jerusalem uh, for failing to live up to God's covenant, failing to take care of those on the margins, failing uh, to uh, worship the one God, um, and basically a warning that if they continued in this way, uh, destruction would be in their future. Well, in 587-586 BCE, the Babylonians came in and uh, basically razed the city of Jerusalem, burned it down, and sent many of the people into exile. And so at this point, Jeremiah begins to change his tune and speak words of comfort to God's people. And so uh, what we're going to hear today is some of those words of comfort that Jeremiah brings. The second reading that we're going to hear today is an excerpt from Bell Hooks, who is a black feminist author and activist. Uh, this is a portion of her writing that was um, excerpted from Richard Rohr's Daily Meditation at the Center for Action and Contemplation uh, about contemplative spirituality. And as you'll hear, uh, Bell Hooks is writing about what it would mean to live with an ethic of love. So let us listen for the word of God. Today's reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, or say to each other, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of God for the people of God. A reading by Bell Hooks. Culturally, all spheres of American life, politics, religion, the workplace, domestic households, intimate relations, should and could have as their foundation a love ethic. The underlying values of a culture and its ethics shape and inform the way we speak and act. A love ethic presupposes that everyone has the right to be free, to live fully and well. Individuals who choose to love can and do alter our lives in ways that honor the primacy of a love ethic. We do this by choosing to work with individuals we admire and respect, 
by committing to give our all to relationships, by embracing a global vision wherein we see our lives and our fate as intimately connected to those of everyone else on the planet. Commitment to a love ethic transforms our lives by offering us a different set of values to live by. When love is present, the desire to dominate and exercise power cannot rule the day. All the great social movements for freedom and justice in our society have promoted a love ethic. Concern for the collective good of our nation, city, or neighbor, rooted in the values of love, makes us all seek to nurture and protect the good. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, years ago, I heard a colleague once say that God loves us just as we are, and God loves us too much to let us stay that way. I've always loved that quote because it's a combination of incredible truth and incredible grace. That on the one hand, we are loved. We are loved just as we are, warts and all, mistakes and all, imperfections and all. And at the same time, God calls us into lives of transformation. God calls us to live more fully into who we are called to be, and God calls us to participate in the fullness and the flourishing of creation. And as I heard our story this morning, as I heard this call to a new covenant, I kept thinking about the idea of transformation and being transformed by God's love and grace. Now, it's hard to put ourselves in the shoes of the original hearers of Jeremiah's message because they were people who had truly been through a ton of suffering and pain. I mean, they had witnessed violence firsthand when the Babylonians came in and took over Jerusalem, burned the city, raised the temple, uh, killed the leadership. And uh, for many of these people, they were forced to flee. Uh, in exile. And up until this time, you know, Jeremiah and others had been giving prophecies of judgment that this was destruction was going to come uh, in response for the people failing to live up to God's ways. And now this destruction has come and they feel like God has abandoned them. They wonder if more destruction is going to come. But instead, what we hear is Jeremiah bringing to them a word of comfort and hope. A word that will hopefully lead them and remind them of the transformation that is possible. Jeremiah says to them, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, it will not be like the one I made before, the one they broke, but this is the covenant I will make. I will put my law or my teaching in, within them, and I will write it on their hearts, 
and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, for they shall all know me, from the last, from the least to the greatest, and I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. For our people who were facing incredibly difficult circumstances in their lives, for a people who wondered where God was in the midst of it, you can see why this would be a word of hope. Because it was promising that God's presence would continue to be with them no matter what. That God would be unifying them once again as a people, that the covenant was not going to be external only, not just a list of legal documents or tablets or rules to follow, but it was a covenant that would be inscribed in their hearts, intimate and personal. And that at the end of the day, what God is saying is, I want to be in relationship with you. I will be your God. You will be my people that they are going to be known and loved and forgiven. They won't have to teach each other because they are going to know in their heart their belovedness and the belovedness of others around them. As I think about what this means for us today, as I think about how we make sense of this in today's world, what I keep coming back to is this idea of love. That when it talks about that law or that teaching being inscribed in our hearts, that what Jeremiah is really talking about or what God is talking about is God's love being inscribed in our hearts. And not just inscribed, but actually within our hearts. This is something that is a core value of um, contemplative spirituality, something that I have been learning more and more about as I participate in uh, the monastic program that I'm in and learning more about Benedictine and other contemplative spirituality. And this, uh, this kind of contemplative spirituality is really based on the idea that God and God's spirit, I would say God's love, is inside each one of us that it's just fundamental to, to who we are, that God's very own presence is inside of us. And so God is not something that is out there, uh, not something that is beyond us or separate from us, but something that is inside of us. And because God is inside of us, because um, we are made in the image of God, we are seen and known and loved just as we are. That that belovedness is the God that is inside of each one of us. And so part of our journey of transformation, part of learning how to live into that covenant, is to live into our own belovedness and to recognize that who we are is good and wonderful. Now, there may be things we want to change about ourselves, and that's, we're always sort of works in progress, but at the core, we are loved as we are. And there's so much in the world right now that wants to tell us that we're not loved or we need to do something to be better or, or uh, be worthy of love. But, 
But what we hear in this passage is that God's love for us is unconditional. That that covenant is always there. And so when we begin to understand this love that God has for us, that we can even have for ourselves, we also begin to see that this love is in other people as well. If God is in us, it means God is in other people as well. And that love is what connects us to each other. And not only connects us to, um, to each other, but connects us to all of the earth, to the whole planet and to all of creation. This is what uh, Bell Hooks is talking about in the excerpt we got today, where she says, if you live by a love ethic, um, we will see ourselves and our fate as intimately connected to everyone else, and I would say everything else on the planet. That part of our transformation as people of faith, part of what it means to live into this covenant that is in our hearts is this awareness of connection and love and interdependence that we have on each other and of all of creation. What it also uh, does is recognize that if I am loved, it means everyone else is loved. And if I am to flourish, then everyone else must have room to flourish as well. That as the author Robin Wall Kimmerer says, uh, all flourishing is mutual flourishing. This idea of transformation is something that moves from the head into the heart, from thinking into feeling and into action. And I think, you know, one of the things that we have learned over the past nine months is just how connected we are as a global people, um, as a national people, and how much um, we are responsible for taking care of each other and seeking the welfare of one another. I think about this as we look at um, the pandemic, because in order for us to stop a global pandemic, it means that millions of people worldwide have to choose love that we are choosing love when we put on our mask or when we choose to stay home. We are choosing love when we do the hard work of homeschooling our kids or trying to work from home or just experiencing all the disruptions to our routines. We're doing the hard work of, of choosing love when we um, sacrifice, in some cases, our own well-being. If we have a job that requires us to be an essential worker and we're going into the front lines. We're, we're choosing love when we are giving up some of our comforts or some of our profits or some of our money or whatever it is to help those in need and help those most affected by this pandemic. That's a way that we are being transformed into living out the belovedness, not just of us, but the people around us. I think about this also as we continue to address white supremacy, that uh, the transformation that is, is taking place as we, um, as millions of people in this country are choosing love. They're choosing to do the hard work of looking at our own history and complicity and biases, especially those of us who are white, especially those of us who are Christian, 
that we're choosing love when we choose to, to educate ourselves and to advocate that we are choosing love and we are choosing to live out of that covenant of love when we give up our time and our energy and our money to begin to repair the damage that's been done or seek reparations for God's people. I think about this transformation and this love ethic as we address climate change. Because in order to do this, it means millions of us globally choosing love. Choosing to see the earth not as a supply chain for our needs, but as something that gifts us with what we need to live and uh, that we work for the sustainability of our earth and practices that care for our earth. This is part of living into that covenant. Of course, there are ways that we fall short. Of course, there are ways that we're we need do-overs, but what we hear in our scripture this morning is that God's covenant is with us, and God uh, stays in relationships with us, and when we mess up, or when we need to reprioritize, or when we need to recalibrate, God is there to help us, and to lead us, and to guide us, and that we have that love and that presence right here in our hearts all the time. What I hear in the story this morning is also an invitation into deeper relationship with the God that is inside each one of us, the God who calls us beloved. That like any relationship, it needs attending to <laughs> through prayer, through paying attention, through even just moments of silence when we can pay attention to our own hearts and share in just the belovedness of our very own spirits. When we begin to understand this love, we move into lives of just deeper gratitude where we recognize that everything we have, our life, our health, our family, our relationships is all, it's part of that gift and that covenant of love. And we understand that we are loved just as we are. And at the same time, the deeper we move into that place of gratitude and that place of love, we also feel compelled, I think, to be transformed by it or to share it with others. That we begin to see God's love in and for others and we begin to work for the love of others. We work for God's love and justice in the world. We work to give out of our abundance so that others may flourish as well, so that others may know their love, so that together we can be the beloved community. God says in our scripture this morning, that you are my people. You are my people and I am your God. And it's not just you individually, but it's us collectively, that we are God's people. It's everybody and everything. And God longs for us to live in and live out of this covenant of well, today is our 
Generosity Sunday. It's, it's Generosity Sunday every week, but we specifically celebrate it today as we give thanks for and dedicate our financial commitments that we're making to the church. And these commitments represent our love ethic in many ways. It represents the way that we are uh, understanding our belovedness and sharing it with others. And so I want to thank you just for your generosity, for the way that uh, you are modeling how we say that it, life isn't just about us, but it is about the fullness and the flourishing of the world around us. And our giving embodies the very covenant that we are talking about, the connectedness we are talking about, because what our generosity says is that we care about the well-being and the flourishing of the world. And so your gifts will support our worship life as a church. It will support the care and the nurture of our young people as we help them grow into their own belovedness. It will support the connections and the community that we offer to one another in times of illness or crisis or transition. Your gifts will support the mission work that we continue to do, things like ending hunger and homelessness and racism in our community. So thank you for being people who live out the ethic of love, who live into God's covenant of love every day. May you continue to know your belovedness. May you continue to flourish in the connection that you have with God. And may you continue to share in that covenant of love with others and with all of creation. Amen.